unmarked, non-consecutive, 20... Weekly! Await instructions. Wow. No funny stuff. Bummer. Huh? This is a bummer, man. That's, uh... That's a bummer. Rat will fill you in on the details. is prepared to make a generous offer to you to act as courier once we get instructions for the money. Why me, man? He believes the culprits might be the very people who uh, soiled your rug and you're in a unique position to confirm or disconfirm that suspicion. He thinks the carpet business did this? Well, dude, we just don't know. This is Gutterballs. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. It allows life to exist in the bleak, black emptiness of space. Providing insight. I don't know she said that. <laughs> Maybe Saint Sneaker comes and like puts little trinkets in them. Commentary. He's found himself in a world turned upside down. <laughs> Flare, 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 flare. And conjecture. It looks like the pool is empty. They shot it all on a green screen. You can't do a pickup? And now, Gutterballs. Geronimo. All right, episode 25. It's a nice round number. What that? Yes. Yes. So I noticed something very weird as soon as I started watching this minute. It's the quarter episode. Quarter of 100. 100 is an important number. Which has no bearing on this movie necessarily, but I feel that 100 is an important number. It's 10 groups of two hands with fingers. So I noticed something strange. Maybe not strange, but something I never noticed before. And I don't know how I never noticed. Something noteworthy. This is yeah, right at the beginning of this it. minute? So. Yes. Let me guess. Yeah. Can I guess? Can I just look yeah. at it one more time and guess? Here, stand by. Yeah. I'm just going to watch it then because I'm sure. I'm fascinated. I'm doing my best this. to jump okay. right in here. Let's go. Go. I did it. I just watched it. Um, besides the fact that his joint is like switching so around from his mouth to his fingers, always, I don't me, know. I never noticed this. And it like stuck out like a sore thumb to me is... The, and maybe it was also okay. strange because just starting it exactly at this minute, like 24 colon zero zero right there is the dude is right. reading mm-hmm. in his own mind, as we discussed last time, right? We're hearing his thoughts at this point. Right. We're hearing his, which is something that doesn't happen in any other, I mean, besides the dream sequences, but that's not like him almost like narrating to us. That's yeah. a different it's like a song and dance. But number. it's the titular Lebowski yelling in the background. But it's not in the background. It's actually incredibly loud. And yeah. maybe it's just the way it's like mixed on my laptop or something. Because at first I didn't even have the headphones in. It was just laptop speakers. And I was just like, what is that? What is I had I listened to it and then I backed up and listened to it again. Right. And I was still not convinced it was even part of the movie. I was like, is someone in the other part of the house watching something else? <laughs> Is David Huddleston exactly. I had in to, my living room somewhere yes. berating one of my family members? I need to go up there, man. So my, you should have been. So am I just you know alone on this? Your like the fact that this was new or kind of strange? No, he's. You know, I I don't know if I ever like sat down and thought about it, but to me, it always was like. And this is more of the theatricalness of this performance that right. Brandt and the titular Lebowski are putting on. Like the titular Lebowski is there like, Bum! weaklings, and it comes like sort of blasting through from the background, bursting into the foreground. Because right. it's supposed to be very grandiose. Because he's, he's got to convince the dude now 
to like go on this fool's errand. So I don't know if I ever sat down and said, wow, that's right up front. But I always felt like, boom, you could always hear him in the background. Like, bam. Like, if you ever like, said, and it's weird through. the way it goes, because he starts talking and like, you start to hear the dude's thoughts. And meanwhile, the titular Lebowski is just continuing to ramble on. But at some point he stops rambling. And you're just hearing the dude, but then it's every once in a while you hear him pipe up, cowards, weaklings, right, bums, like bums, <laughs> right, yeah. He, but he's punctuating now, you know. They're using it for dramatic effect. Bam! It's almost like cannon fire. Cowards, <laughs> weaklings. <laughs> They, this scene always stuck out to me because they do such a great job of making you believe that this is something other than it actually is. Because the first time you watch this movie, you have no idea that this is all just for show. Like, you really, it's like, whoa, man. The fire's roaring. You've got this guy, this FDR, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Mr. Potter guy. And it seems very dramatic. You don't know that it's fake at that point. So I think this does a good job of underscoring that like dramatic pa pow gut punch. Or did you not I feel felt, this way? I've never it just seemed I was a little scared when I watched this. I was like, ooh, oh man, this is big shit going down here. It's going to happen. I kind of rolled no, with it. No, you just kind of rolled yes. with it? No big deal? I mean, this seems like a big deal here. Fires are roaring. Right. Trophy wives have been kidnapped. There's epic it's classical music this playing. weird altered reality that they've already established. In the world, in, in the Coen Brothers world of, of strangeness, right? Right, but well, bad things tend to happen. He got true. his head shoved in a toilet last time. The world turned all crazy and upside down. So we're only going to ratchet up the horribleness as we go further into the movie. You're left wondering what is going to happen to this right time. Now, Five-headed leopard monkeys could jump out of the wall, man. Is something what occurred that maybe to you we right can now? do more research on, or even just talk now about, is the parallels or lack of parallels between the titular Lebowski and Nathan Arizona. Because it just occurred to me they're kind of a similar ilk. Two different Coen Brothers characters there. Come to think of it, so is, who's it, Paul Newman in the Hudsucker Proxy? He kind of falls into that category, you know, doesn't I he? I cannot really say. I would have to rewatch that movie. I only have a very shaky recollection right now. Isn't that the forgotten Coen Could Brothers be. movie? Basically. Because that movie, yeah. So for somehow, what, what was it, like 99 just, maybe? No. Hudson 97? No, 97. Way before that. Way yeah. before that. What year? I don't no, know no, about no, that. 94? I'm out of control. I'm so... I'm way off. 94. You're so right. Man, it just gets put right in there. Huh. Miller's Crossing is the forgotten one to me. But that's just for me. Oh, you know, see, not to me. One for me because I've never seen it. it... <gasps> I never. I've never. What? I've never seen it. <laughs> God. I shouldn't probably admit that. Admit to that, especially while I'm doing a Lebowski podcast. But you know, you've, you've admitted to some crazy I have no shit, shit in your life. But this, sir, I know you don't like. Like gangster crime movies. You probably have never seen The Godfather. 
Never seen The Godfather 2. You've never seen, seen Goodfellas. Good I get it. But Miller's Crossing? I, okay. There I you never go. Boy, saw, that's an admission of something I never, horrible. Yeah, I don't know. Miller's. Any of The Godfather movies. I know. You've never seen them. Yeah, Just admit it right either. now. I've never seen an episode of Sopranos either. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm trying to be accepting right now. <laughs> I want to say something positive. Like you, you have, you say things positive when, like, I say something disappointing. Like when I admitted I like the Eagles, you said the heart once and it won. I'm tr- searching for something like that to say, but I'm just not finding it. I do like Quentin Tarantino. There's there's something. There's something. You can I don't even like him that much, but at least there's something. Like he, he's made some crime movies, yeah. so there. It's a little feather you can put in your cap. I just saw Django Unchained like two days ago. Look at that. Two fi- I haven't seen it. So I'm the asshole now, I guess. Not really, but no, but I should have it's seen a, that. If you like Tarantino's whole thing, right. this is doesn't you, disappoint. You it's it's Tarantino. Yeah. No, I do want to see it. But it was uh I had movie night the other night and it was like ooh, Django Unchained. And there was some hesitation there from the other interested party. Argo's on. Argo. So we watched Argo. Argo. Which was pretty good. I I liked it. It, it was fun. Argo looks good. I haven't seen it yet. That was pretty good. Pretty good. I did watch. Now that we're just like recapping the movies we've seen recently this weekend. Right. Not, Apparently, that's this portion. It's of this the portion. Podcast. Yes. Not only did I see Django Unchained, but I also saw Beyond the Black Rainbow. What's that? You can not now. But you and anyone listening, you can just go look up the trailer, Google it, and you'll see what it is. Beyond the Black Rainbow. It can't really be described. It's some kind of like, I don't know. It's some kind of weird thing. Terrence Malick make another movie? No, it's like, it takes place in 1983, and it's kind of shot to look like it was like shot in 1983. That works sometimes. And it's just like a weird, and not like in the way like, oh, it's found footage. It's just made like an 80s movie. So kind of like, uh, I don't know. Like they did it with like Grindhouse in a way. But this is more like this trippy, psychedelic horror movie that looks like it's the 80s. It has some really good moments in it, some really good stuff that's like unsettling and strange. Um, strange imagery. Really, really nicely a certain like kind of style huh. of like 80s 80s sci-fi psychedelic stuff but it uh but overall the movie has no plot so you have to be willing to accept that going into it and you're just watching this kind of stream of random trippy stuff happen for 90 minutes and a lot of it's pretty boring but there's some good moments you know it could overall, be worse I do not recommend <laughs> It could be worse. You could be watching a random stream of trippy stuff for like three hours. True. So it has some cool music. Like it has this cool, like you know, old school, like eighty synthesizer stuff. I hard to describe. It's the trailer. If you watch the trailer, you pretty much get the gist of the movie, save for a couple of the like really more maybe cool extended weird stuff. But the trailer is mostly all you have to see. So you can check that out after we're done. I, but let's move on. Well, I will, but I'm going to forget what that is by that point. So yeah. I'll have to make a note of it. Um, that makes me... There's like two little, two little hairs that stood up when you said that. And the first was I started watching Hemlock Grove. Ah. So another Netflix original series. Yes. First episode, eh. Second episode, better. All right, that's good to know. I watched part of the first episode and stopped. Right. I was like, my heart's just not in this. I can't force myself to watch this to see if it gets any better. 
it might. I'm not condemning it to like death for all eternity. Right. But I was just like, I my heart is just not in watching this anymore at this right. point. Like it's like twenty some minutes into the first episode. I started to feel that way as well, but it was just late and I was there and so I just kept watching it. Yeah. I was comfortable, I, you know, I had a blanket on me. Just watching it. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah, we had to stop for some reason. So we started watching it. Right. Like 20 minutes. For some reason, we had to pause it. Like, I don't know, the dog had to go out or I had to pee or there's something, right? So we paused it. And because we paused it, it was like, do we really want to, like, hit play again on this? It's like, no, not really. Let's just pick something else. Yeah. We probably, if it wasn't that for that pausing, like, we wouldn't have probably overcome the inertia to actually stop it otherwise. But... Maybe I'll give it another shot since yeah. some people are saying it's it's okay. It's okay. It, it's okay. It might have it has potential. I'm gonna put it that way. I'm not fully endorsing it, mind you. I've seen two episodes, but episode two was I wasn't that jazzed to watch episode two, but I'm kind of glad I did. So that gives it some hope, I guess. Um, hair number two that stood up when you were talking about that was oh I forgot I don't remember now damn it went away I'm just thinking about Hemlock Grove now it got me thinking about Twin Peaks and how the pilot when you go back and watch it is so friggin weird you know right and if it was all like that you probably would have lost interest but no, I don't. I don't know about that. I, Maybe. Don't I mean, know. the pilot is only weird because the characters aren't quite developed the right way. They're but not at the even time, watching the pilot. Just Why like, did you watch the pilot. the pilot live on TV? So, but it was the first thing you watched of Twin Peaks, right? Yes, after no. all the hype, so the expectations were ramped up. Yeah, but when you watch the pilot, I feel like there's nothing in there. Nothing in the pilot is bad per se. It's only in the okay. retrospect that, like, some of the characters are off. I, like, you okay. know, yes. Cooper's little shtick is a little off, right? Like, the actor... Right, with Dr. Director, Jacoby, it's very bad out. there. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still mind-blowing. Like, what the... That, that was a two-hour television show? What the... What just happened to America? Like... Right. Okay, no, I see your point. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Hemlock Grove's not like that. It's got off things that aren't like, yeah, that aren't quite there. I wish I could remember what the other thing was. I don't know, was it Argo? It wasn't Argo. Beyond the Black Rainbow synthesizers. Yeah. There's like a guy in a spacesuit. Oh, never mind. In in synthesizers. In Beyond the Black Rainbow. But like at one point. You take the mask off the spacesuit, and there's just like a baby's head in there. You know, I don't, know. I don't like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I really don't. It's not really a baby's head. It's more like a young girl's head with that looks very disturbed. Anyway, this is not what. Stop it. So there's some things to revisit from previous episodes. Got a couple of couple of things to catch up on here. Uh, I don't know where to start. Where do you want to start? Um, well, you mentioned Thurston shows up at the end of the movie. Uh, in the ongoing quest to champion my own laziness, I've watched the movie again. I don't know if that's exactly lazy. Watching the same movie over and over. Maybe that's insanity. Not sure. Anyway, I watched it again. And when Walter and the dude, at the end of the movie, Bunny, like, smashes her car into the fountain. And they realize, oh, she's come home. She was never kidnapped. And they show up at the titular Lebowski's mansion. They go and brace him. Thurston's there. And he's barking around and jumping all over the place. There he is. So, if he did or did not get into the car, he's still reunited. Right, but I don't think either way, like we can determine either way whether or not he did in fact get into that car. Because Walter could have always like doubled back to pick him up or something. 
double back, maybe, because they never even pulled away. Maybe they just hear him barking. Oh, forgot to let Thurston in. Open the door, right. let him in. It's not like they pull out onto the road or anything. And being a show dog, maybe he had a chip or something where, you know, maybe they do leave him and he's wandering about L.A., but he's right. got some sort of chip if he's some sort of fancy pants show dog. So he could have found him, called in the number, and said, my dog's lost. And I don't know. Found him. I'm just saying Walter still might be that much of a screw-up that he left the dog behind. Just because he's reunited doesn't mean he didn't leave him there. What do you think? I think he got into the car. And just sat down. And just sat down. Well, I think, again, it's one of these things where it's the dream... I, I'm going to just go back to this. The dreamlike... I'm sticking with my story. It's the dreamlike element of cinema where certain elements can just disappear illogically then pop back in just because to fit with a certain aesthetic or just to move the movie forward because they wanted Thurston barking up a storm in the bowling alley. They didn't want him barking behind the whole exchange between Walter and the dude, and it's just kind of, like, forgotten. Okay, let me... Let me riddle you this then, Bradley. Mr. Bradley. How are how are you, Brad? I'm I'm well. Thank you for asking, Adam. Welcome. How are you? I'm well, Brad. Thanks. Good. Good to know, Adam. Why then would we see the dude and Walter walking to the car for that like six second shot? And there's Thurston yipping about and jumping all over the place. Wouldn't it have been easier to pretend like the dog was in the carrier and not have to deal with it that way? Because they're drawing attention to the dog at that point. I think at this point, maybe it behooves us to read a comment that we got. Yes, let's do that. A portion of a comment. Perhaps. Perhaps not the whole thing. Perhaps. Well, I don't know. Maybe I just read the whole thing. What do you think? Well, I, I think we can break the comment down. All right. I think that this comment relates to a couple different things we have going on right now. So, yeah, re we can just go however you will. Let's just take it. Okay. We'll see what happens. Let's, well, I'll read the first little bit here. Uh, this comment is from Gordon Lightfoot, so apparently he's a fan if, in fact, he's still living. Um, love the podcast. Regarding episode 20, I've gotten certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light, so I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. Thurston never got into the car, question mark? That's fucking interesting, man. That's fucking interesting. After some thought, I came to the conclusion that the dog was used to show Walter was troubled by what just went down inside, possibly triggering a minor episode of PTSD in the parlance of our times. Should we stop there? Keep going. The directors could have had Thurston in the fucking carrier, man, but possibly the dog was being too loud during the dialogue inside the car. They could have solved a noisy dog issue by having the carrier empty, or simply used a stuffed animal. This is my concern, dude. The directors chose to have the dog outside and run off showing Walter is distracted by recently waving a fucking gun around. He is then dealing with this, probably taught in therapy, by telling himself he's perfectly calm, dude. Calmer than you are, in fact. So, I mean... Well, I'm outnumbered. Gordon Lightfoot and I support the dog is not in the car theory. Now, I'm not sure which one of us is a bigger celebrity, but... If he was really to run off, Yes. I mean, they didn't. Sh at the same time, they didn't show the dog running off either. But you made the point that he was, in fact, starting to become distanced from Walter. He was creating a distance. Is what a space, fifteen feet. He was starting to get farther away. So, so here's something that's also interesting, man. Walter shows up at the bowling alley. With Thurston, after the dude and Donnie are there already. He's 20 minutes late. They're already bowling. Can we assume that he drove there? Most likely? Well, 
I see what you're getting at, man. Why does he then get in the dude's car? There's a lot of weird driving stuff that goes on in this movie. I didn't want to get into this too much because one of these things comes into play later on in the movie. Uh, I've now, yeah. so I've now gotten to the point where I realize that there's no point in analyzing any of this logically. It does not matter. <laughs> All right, so we're done here. We're done. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I'm Adam. No, I don't think we're done. <laughs> we just have to stop using logic. Maybe we need to reassess stop making sense our definition of, our times. of logic. Yes. Because I'm, we should keep using logic, but we're going to use some bastardized film-slash-reality logic. We're going to make a new sort of logic, which I think is what we're doing anyway. So, I, I wouldn't go saying you're not going to use any logic. What I would say is Thurston ran ahead and he ran to Walter's car. Because <laughs> he recognized the car and it's like, you're going to get into here. And what, Walter's just hanging out in the dude's car for... Maybe a, he's hiding out from the police. A minute hiding out from the police and then he's going to go over to his car. But he put his carrier in. He opened the back door and threw the carrier in. Well, if he's hanging out in the dude's car, what's he going to do? Just leave the carrier on the floor, on the ground? Just put it on the roof. He had it on the roof. Leave it on the roof? Draw yeah. the attention of the police? Touche, man. Touche. But also, if he's worried about the police, you know, you think the police would just probably... Like, look around. Just make a cursory look around. Yeah. And notice two... Disheveled gentleman sitting in a so, car, parking so lot. So let's read the next part of this letter. All right, your turn. All right. <clears throat> Another point on this scene. Walter drew a firearm during league play, contravening a number of the league's bylaws, almost immediately upon entering the facility. They must have won the game, as they did enter the next round robin. Am I wrong? After Walter and the dude leave the building and enter the vehicle, the police show up and run inside. They do not come back out to the parking lot and apprehend Walter. Bunch of fucking amateurs. They must have opted to work in shifts. My point is this. The police were not called while Walter was inside bowling the rest of the game. The members of the facility must have known everything's a fucking travesty with him, man, and waited till he left to call the police. Has that ever occurred to you, man? So this is a perfect example of how you can all you you're, you can just speak in Lebowski quotes. That's all you need. I have a phrase for it's it. It's a I, dialect. I came yes. up with a name for it. Let's hear it. It's Lebowski's. Lebowski's. I like it. <laughs> Lebowski's. Bengali. Yeah. This is some Portuguese, brilliant. Larties. Lebowski's. Don't get, don't, let's not go with the Lartes. I didn't mean but, to bring it up. But the Lebowski's. Lebowski's. Yes. He's speaking Lebowski's. I love it. I assume it's. This is some excellent Lebowski's, he, I have to say. He Gordon, or she. Gordon. Gordon. You did some good work here with the Lebowski's. And you make a good point. I mean, it's because they did enter the next round, Robin, is he, playing Quintana and O'Brien. Is he wrong? Pushovers. I don't think so. So, so how did they exactly? How did they finish the match? Well, they were now. Don't forget, they were already twenty minutes in when Walter showed up in the first place. Now, how long does it? Like, maybe again, some cursory research would have been in order. But how many? Like one team against another. How many games do you play? Is it one? You just play one? Is it best of three? Well, and, I mean, if that was the... I mean, are we to assume that Smokey going over the line, that was, like, the end of the match? It was, like, the last frame? Because otherwise, they had to bowl at least one... Like, I mean, you know, he waved the gun around and then was like, all right, let's finish bowling. Maybe it came down to that. Like, the match was so close that those... Eight frames either way would have decided the match. And that's why it was like such a big deal. Like maybe Walter actually gets his firearm out a lot, but Smokey only 
you know, made a big stink about it because it decided that game and who entered the next round robin. Well, I mean, he does pull the firearm out. Everyone in the bowling alley starts running away. That's true. The dude is like, they're calling the fucking cops, man. Right. Like the piece of All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So this is not something that happens a lot. This is extreme. I mean, it might happen a lot, but whether it happens a lot or not, I think it's still a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. So again, logic. Let's not worry about the logic. Do you know what a, the, uh, like the parameters of a round robin tournament are? I don't, actually. It's something like you have to play every other team like at least once or something. In other words, so contrast this to right. like a basketball or a football playoffs or let's say football, like a playoff scenario. It's mm-hmm. you win or you lose. If you lose, you're out. You're done now. If you win, you go on. Around Robin is like you can lose however many games. Like maybe there's ten teams in the playoffs. You play nine of them. You lose all nine. So you've been mathematically eliminated for a long time, but you still have to play that last team, that tenth team. And that tenth team might be number one. They may not have lost. So you're out. You're done. But you still have to play this game because every team plays every other team. Right. This is sort of the round robin thing, which the argument for it is that it's a purer way to get to the best team as opposed to football where it's like one game you might have just had a bad day or somebody like tweaked a hamstring or something. who knows what some fluke thing happens and the crappier team actually wins could happen once right so the round well, robin supposed to eliminate that factor yeah, it's the opposite of like a, like a like brackets. Yeah, like a single elimination or a double elimination. It's right? none of that's like. That's the exact opposite. No you elimination. Lose one and you're out. Right. Yeah, you can't be eliminated. You play all of them. So this is, I guess, my point is this is a pretty aggressive league they're in because that's going to take a lot longer to go through the playoff systems, or the playoff system in this league. Everybody's got to play everybody, even if you suck. Well, to me, it sounds like, because he says the next round robin. Right, there's different rounds of it. So, like, you go... So the top five you teams advance move to on. the next one, yeah. Right, top So it's 16. almost like you go to the next one. Like, I'm imagining maybe there's ten a group of ten teams that have the dude on. There's another group that have Quintana and O'Brien on it. I get the sense that this is... They both won their round robin. Now there's a new round robin. It's like a perpetual playoff system. It's just year-round that never ends. Or maybe it ends, and then the next morning, they start the next phase of playoffs based on last year's scores or something. It was just never-ending. Because the next round robin, you're right, it's like there's so many teams, and if everybody's got to play everybody, it's just going to be, yeah, just perpetual bowling playoffs. Well, that's why they're always at that (laughs) bowling alley. So, Matt, so think of his line, I told him if it's during league play, then no, no. He's always at league play. Is he ever there not at league play? Maybe for some practice. They do a little bit well, of practicing. But. Yeah, I think they're not there always for league play. I think in the initial time we saw them there, it may not have been for league play. I right. think in the upcoming minute, when they when there's the verbal showdown between our gang and Quintana, is not necessarily part of a league play. I guess my point is, it's never like they have three months off from league play. League play is continuous. It's on Tuesdays and Saturdays or whatever, just Saturday. Who knows what? But it's, there's never a break from it. It's always going on. Could be. I have no idea. 
I don't know. We should put somebody in. We should patch a bowler in. But thank you, Gordon. Gordy. For your lovely note. Gordon Cole. It's good to know we have... Special Agent Gordon Cole. Thank you, Some sir. listeners that care. And you brought up some good points. Salient points. Some of the things, yeah, that we're trying to grapple with Yeah, here. I was totally, like, dancing around this. But, yeah, Gordon was able to put it into words that expressed it very well. Thank you, Gordy. So... We're 34 minutes in. Yeah, we could stop now. Except we're still not even just done revisiting right, barely, previous episodes. Barely. We've, we, we've made a couple. Well, we made a token effort to address this minute when we started. Right. So, so we have another thing to revisit. I think we better just revisit it. Something else quickly. Because I think it's pretty. It's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. It's pretty fucking interesting, man. Yeah. This and we're talking about uh, an interaction between the dude and his landlord now. Yes, we're going back to that to Marty, Monty, Alan, 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 Manny, Manny, right? Tiny, the tiny dancer, bulb, bulbous dancer, tiny so, bulbous <laughs> dancer. So I'm gonna call him Monty. Mani says, tomorrow's already the 10th. Which means that it's the 9th when he says that. One of the first shots of the movie was the dude purchasing his half and half and we're treated to an extreme close-up of him writing out his check. And it says September 11th, 1991, which we covered in some detail. So... This is either this is at at the least now about a month later from that time. So a month has passed at least between the dude buying the half and half in the beginning of the movie, the one that gets spilled all over his bathroom, and the point where the dude opens the door to his landlord. A month. At least. Or, oh, you've got something else? What a year? Maybe he just post dated the check a couple days, knowing he wasn't have any money in his account. But that would have made it even earlier at that time that he was writing it out. No, he could have written the check on the eighth, and it's just the next day. Like he could have written the check on, let's say, the, so the eighth isn't very realistic, right? Like the seventh or the sixth, and now it's the ninth. It's just a couple days later. I mean, where would that time jump have occurred if it did occur? Because, so... Could have been anywhere. The, well, so he writes the check. Then we see his head getting dunked. So we could say, okay, that's actually a month later his head's getting dunked. No, I, it, no, no. I don't buy that. Think about so this. So then he goes from being dunked to being in the bowling alley telling Walter about it. That's probably, like, like you know, very shortly thereafter. A day or two. There could have been a big jump when he actually gets the audience with the Big Lebowski. So that this could have been... This is what I'm saying. You don't just call him up and you get an audience the next day. You know, he's got a calendar. It's going to be two weeks. You know? Right. And then he gets the rug. And then... Then there's there a little is... while there. Then it, the next scene is the bowling again. So there could have been a time jump there. Right. But then plus a time after jump, the bowling. Plus a time jump when Brant's trying to get a hold of him over and over. He's not going there. Right. Well. A couple of days he's the, maybe. He's in the bowling alley. Walter draws his firearm. Then he is in his up next scene. He's in an apartment. The answering machine is talking about how he drew a firearm. So... That's probably the next day or something similar, you know, close in time there. So there wasn't a big jump at that point. But you're right. There could have, yeah. So the two places it could have been a jump was before and after, right before and right after, or a combination of both of the dude having an audience with the titular Lebowski, if there was a jump. 
But the dude could have just post-dated the check or just not even know what date it is. But you can't... I I get the sense that that cashier wasn't up for any shenanigans. She's not going to let him post-date that check. Maybe. And it's September 11th, 1991. If it wasn't actually that date that shoots to pieces all of our conspiracy theories. That's true. So I prefer to think that it was September 11th, 1991. But, I mean, your logic is appealing. I like your, your theory. I just don't. Although it is funnier if he's post-dating a 69-cent check. It is, it is. The, uh, I so got... President Bush said this aggression will not, this will not stand, this aggression against Kuwait will not stand. That was on August 5th, 1990. But maybe time doesn't matter in this reality. Oh, I agree. You know, it's, again, the dream thing where we're trying to smash our own logic down on it, but time is not a thing... Unless it's a movie where time is crucial to the plot. But that's not the case with this one. No. Time is very fluid. Sometimes it moves slower. Sometimes it moves a little faster. So. Ah, time. I just, here we go. All right. I mean, I wrote this little thing down here. I don't know if you saw this. I, I'm staring at it. Well, I believe I'm staring at this thing you're about to talk about. I'm very curious. It doesn't... It, the more it, it has zero relevance to this movie, except for this fluidity of time. I don't even know if that's accurate, but... Another dream. So I had another dream. We'll talk about dreams. I guess we're going to have to put, like, a little dreams section into the whatever <laughs> Jesus uh, it was uh, it was in my grandparents house sort of this uh, old sort of biggish home many floors old, older like you're describing your dream my dream that, that I you had, had yes. recently yes like three days ago okay uh, so you stairways and passageways and sort of wandering around this but I was in there and there was a scorpion loose in the home. But the scorpion was, and it was a big one. So someone was around, and they assured me, you won't die if this thing gets you. You know, it's just horrible, but you won't die. It's not, the little ones apparently are more lethal. This is a big one. Maybe six inches long, eight inches long. It's big. And it was like jet black with like red, like stripes on it, like jagged stripes, like some sort of twisted black widow scorpion. But the thing with it was, it was a bit so aggressive and it was just attacking me, like chasing me throughout the house. And it was so freakishly fast, like moving so like scurrying along the carpet so fast that you could barely see it Boom, like a blur Boom, come at you oh then you jump out of the way run up the stairs jump over the bed ah it's just chasing me everywhere it's very panicky until finally i woke up but the first thing that i thought of when i woke up was Something like that actually happened to me in real life. I was on vacation with my family. Go to the Outer Banks. It's very wonderful. I love it. It's relaxing. First night, we were at the house. My daughter and I got out of the car. Everybody else went inside, and the headlights were still on. I was like, what is that over there in the driveway? We walked up, and we were approaching it. It's like, oh, look, it's a crab. I guess it's a blue crab, right? They're all over the place down there. So it was a blue crab. And we were walking up to it. And I was like, oh, don't move too fast. And we got maybe like eight or ten feet, maybe ten feet away from it. And it's like, 
it kind of turned a little bit. You could sense like, oh, it's over here. I'm like, oh, take it easy. Let's not go too fast. And then all of a sudden, it disappeared. And we are in a wide open driveway space. The nearest cover or anything was easily 30 feet. Think about 30 feet away. And it was like, just like just in a vague blur, I could kind of tell it went one direction, but basically just disappeared. It was there and then gone. And I thought like, I don't know. I thought like I had blinked or like blacked out or something. I was like, did you just see? She's like, yes. What happened? It just like disappeared. It was the freakiest thing. There was no, nothing moves that quickly. I don't know how this happened. Was it a paved driveway or like gravel? Paved. Hmm. That's weird, man. Like, my first thought is, is it some kind of camouflage? Like, as it moves, does it somehow, like, you can't see it? Your brain can't comprehend? Like, if it was, like, maybe, like, gravel, right? The pattern right. of the gravel and the crash, something. Right, right. Or, like, was it able to somehow, like, go into the right, ground? Right, like, burrow in or something. Right, no. But, no. Yeah, it's just really freaky. What probably happened was you were... Moved from one reality to another. Maybe just a slight shift. Pretty much the same. Or you were, you could have been abducted by aliens, experimented on, then put back at the same point, physically where you were. Yeah. But maybe like only like, you know, 10 seconds off. Well, no, like a tenth of a second off, even half a second off. Missed out. I don't know. It was a weird one. It was just a very unnatural thing. Maybe there was never a crab there to begin with. <laughs> we were both looking at it, man. You were just looking at, like, the way the light was reflecting <laughs> off an imperfection in the in the driveway, and then all of a sudden that's an, you couldn't see it anymore. That's a nice fantasy, but it's just... That's that's going to be my fantasy tonight. So it's like if if you had a video camera on it, and you were shooting this crab, a pretty wide shot, so you could see 30 feet all around it, and then it did its move, there would be one frame where there was like a blurry streak maybe in the corner of the frame. That's about how long it took. Like 1 24th or 1 30th of a second. And it was boom, gone. This is why we need these high frame rate videos. We need more of them. It's it's technically better, you know this. Gollum will not escape us. It's, it's definitely better for analyzing disappearing crabs. So, I mean, that only has the vaguest of connections to this podcast because I referenced that it was one frame of motion. Other than that, there's no connection. Well, we brought it back to the high frame rate. High frame rate and dreamlike reality, because I really did feel like that was all of a sudden I had been thrust into a different set of logical rules life as we know it it's very strange as far as diegetic sound goes they do an anti-diegetic thing here did you notice this at all with the music in this scene no so it we had a brief barely even a discussion but we talked about whether or not this classical music that's playing in the titular Lebowski's study right. is well, diegetic. Was whether or not. or not it was actually playing in his study. Right. Yeah, exactly. Is it diegetic? Right. Is it diegetic? And I claim that it is because so far everything in this movie has been diegetic to one degree or another. So weirdly, as the dude is corralled by Brandt to get out of the room now. Titular Lebowski's done with him. Brandt will fill you in on the details. Brandt grabs him and takes him out of the room. As we are tracking out of the room now, and the titular Lebowski is receding into the distance, the music actually swells and gets louder. 
But then when he closes the door, the music is muffled as if it's coming from in there. Right, which I think was to accent the fact that it is, in fact, diegetic. So they played a little fast and loose with the level to, like, play up the drop of Brant grabbing him and yanking him out, and then, so they could close the doors, and then it's muffled behind the door. To play devil's advocate, what if the speaker, was the hi-fi system, was by the door? Well, then it's even more diegetic. Exactly. So they're not playing fast and loose with it at all. They're being deadly precise with it. If they have a speaker by the door, then yes, I would agree with you. We can neither confirm nor disconfirm that, though. Disconfirm. Disconfirm. I like that word. Yeah, I just made it up. Brant's whole thing, right? Now we're back to talking about Brant and how he's kind of like a chameleon. Because, once again, gets outside with the dude. He starts speaking the dude's language, to some extent. To some extent. Like, he's, it's like... It's like with a heavy brand accent, though, right? Yeah. It's like it's the dude's language, but he's obviously, it's his second or third like language. It's not. Not his native tongue. No. Well, dude, we just don't know. It's a little more casual. His hands aren't splayed out down at his sides as much. But again, that extent, that's the thing at the end. Why me? Well, this could be the same men who soiled your rug and you're in the unique position to confirm or disconfirm that suspicion think the carpet pissers did this well dude we just don't know it makes no sense i'm fine with it not making sense but it makes no sense now how does it make no sense to you i get a ransom note from my wife Mm mm-hmm So I'm going to hand put her life in the hands of this stoner dude because he can simply confirm or disconfirm whether or not are kidnappers or were the rug pissers. But if he does confirm that... Now, I am just playing devil's advocate because obviously I believe that the titular Lebowski and Brandt and the Nihilists, maybe, are all in on it together. But I'm just going to say, so... That, if you accept that the reality is the titular Lebowski doesn't know who kidnapped Bunny and that she has been kidnapped, and yes, so those two things, if you accept that that's the reality, then if the dude was able to say, yes, the carpet pissers kidnapped Bunny, then he's got a link to Jackie Treehorn, and pretty much, okay, Jackie Treehorn took her. Well, you're jumping ahead. What do you mean, Jackie? Or how does... You owe money to... Your wife owes money to Jackie Treehorn. You owe money to Jackie Treehorn. But does... The titular Lebowski know that? You assume that they went over some of this in the phone call, that the dude, the initial phone call to Brant. Possibly. Well, you're you're putting speakers by doors. Sure, that's true enough, true enough. But then... I... So what if the carpet pissers did do this? They're going to ID the other Lebowski. Like, what is that going to do? says no funny business sending the stoner dude over <laughs> with the money isn't funny business that would that would qualify as pretty funny business <laughs> what do you think if you are one of these kidnappers and, and that happens he shows up well you probably have a moment with yourself trying to figure it out and then after that, you're probably just pissed. But it's probably pretty confounding at first. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. But you know what? The... You would have the drop at that point on the utter confusion factor. <laughs> but the titular Lebowski and Brandt are playing off the dude's general lack of... 
insight. I don't know. Something. They they take him for a, you know, lack-witted fool. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense that the Jude would accept it. Right. And even as an audience member, I've never had trouble with it. It's only now that we're really paying attention to it. It's ridiculous. It's just, the whole thing is ridiculous, but this in particular is pretty bad. Because it goes, like I said before, like you don't really have time to even think about it. He just kind of says it, and then it cuts to the next scene, and you're just like, all right, here's the next strange thing going to happen. Let's see what this is. And it's all being done in such an entertaining manner. It doesn't matter. There's a valuable lesson here, a valuable like movie-making, screenwriting lesson. And that is that not all loose ends have to get tied up neatly. You can still no. tell an entertaining tale without, you know, tidying up all of the loose ends. It doesn't have to make perfect sense. It just has to be entertaining sometimes. Because I get caught up in making everything perfect sometimes. And this plot of this movie is anything but perfect. It's, it's, it's a big mass of narrative spaghetti, honestly. I wouldn't call that imperfect either. Well, maybe I'm editorializing it that a little be, bit. But it is narrative it's spaghetti. It's perfectly spaghetti-like. It's the best. I mean, spaghetti's great. You eat that. That's a fine meal. I don't know, I'm always hungry. The more spaghetti I eat, the hungrier I get. I don't eat spaghetti anymore. Me, me well, I try to avoid it. I, I can't say I never eat it, but I try to avoid that. That and pizza. I'm not eating the carbs, so I can't have either of them. Yeah, I try to... I'm, on a, I'm not like a no-carb guy, but I try my best to avoid heavy carbs. Right, things. right, you just... I do my best to avoid breads. Limit noodles. that stuff. Yeah, it does. I'm not like fun. oh, these apricots have too many carbs. I'm not no, no, kind of a guy. Right. Or He's not eating. I want to eat a foot long cheesesteak right now, but I'm not going to do it. <sighs> well, I don't. That so that's started a minute. Yeah, that uh, started with crab and scorpions in my dreams. And sometimes not my dreams. I wrote down, I didn't even say it, the waffliness of diegeticity. That's a mouthful. And diegesis. Uh, here's the, the most um, compelling proof that the classical music is, in fact, diegetic, though. Once we're out in the hallway with Brant and the dude having their little one-to-one -one here. You think that Carpet Bizzard did this? The classical music is only in the right channel. All right, there it is. Coming from behind Brant. So, diegetic, bam. Yeah. No matter what else happened, bam, diegetic. Good with that. Uh, um, I also pasted into our document a, a little snippet of the script. Yes. I found, which seems to be, like, sometimes you can tell people reverse engineer a screenplay. They just watch the movie and then write it out. Because everything matches perfectly. And a screenplay never matches perfectly with what you see in the movie. You know, there's always changes that happen. And this little snippet I posted has some examples of that. And I, I copied and pasted a little bit from the dude's interaction with his landlord, Alan or Monty or Marty or Monty. And there's little subtle differences, but his name is Alan, A-L-L-A-N, in the screenplay right and the dude says hiya alan right versus hiya Monty." right and even just the little back and forth about the rent is even a little different 
Yeah, like it much it's much better than the final production. This is just like, dude, uh, tomorrow's already the tenth. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, right. That's... Just slipped it right under my door. It doesn't have the little like the dude's obliviousness. Yeah, there's no nuance. Far out, man. Oh, 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 okay. Like he was initially not having any clue what he was talking about. In the script, it's more like the dude is brushing him off deliberately. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. Slipped around under my door. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's like he's dismissing him. And the dude in the movie is not dismissing him. He actually is like, oh, right. Oh, I feel bad. And the script describes him as a short, hairy, muscular, but balding, middle-aged man in a black t-shirt and black cut-off jeans. And yet, when Mary Zoffries got into this thing, she's like, no. He's not wearing a black t-shirt and black cut-off jeans. That's too aggressive for Monty or Alan. He's going to be a little more reserved. Got some wardrobe items he's had around for 5 to 13 years. And he's probably going to be wearing those. They may have mustard stains on them. Shiza. What else? I Well, even before that, in the script, <laughs> there's the there's the uh, the answering machine, which is a little off, also. Right, Fred Dinarski. Yeah. Excuse me, Mel Zelniker. Thank you. And like the the. Drew a loaded weapon, not a firearm. Drew a loaded weapon. Right, and there's a lot of like, uh, 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 and uh, like stuff throughout here, in the script. Right. Whereas the, the uh, Mel Zelniker is very like to the point. Yeah. Like. Well, not to the point, you, but you, emphatic. He's emphatic. Emphatic, right? Like he's just certain, you he, know. He does ramble, but he's... a Walter Sobchak drew a firearm during league play. If true, this contravenes a number of the league's bylaws. Like, right. Whereas the script is like, I just got a uh, an informal report uh, that a uh, uh, a member of your team, uh, yeah, he's very un- unsure of himself. Yeah, he's kind of like, this is so weird, I'm not even sure what to say. Or, like, I'm just embarrassed to me say it to you because you might come shoot me. Like, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, that's where you get into, like, how do you really interpret. You know what I like about that, though? It's almost like Mel Zelniker, the way they did it in the movie, it's almost like this is not the first time he's had to make this call. <laughs> right. It's almost like the script is memorized in his head. Ah, shit. Subcheck again. All right. Yeah. Excuse me, we got another complaint of... Blah, blah. Yeah, he has like a little index card that he can just read from. It's sorted by last name. The, and the S section has the biggest chunk of the index cards in there. Soap check. Soap check gun. Soap check choke. Soap check dog. It just sorts through them. Okay, soap check. Brandishing firearm and face. There it is. Well... What else you got for me, Brad? I think that's it, Adam. I'm tapped out. Not too bad. We didn't, uh, you know, we gave a shit about the rules for once. Sort of. Sort of. I think we did a pretty good job. Pretty decent job. And we've got a couple more uh, inquiries. So we're going to get those out there. Real soon. It requires me doing work, though. Which, you know, it's a little hit or miss there. But have no fear. If you have commented, we will. We will talk about it. Oh, yes. We will. If you'd like to send us some feedback. Can they do that? Just say how they can. Gutterballs.tv. And somewhere in there you look at stuff. And there's and you... all kinds of things there. Right. You can tweet us up. You can send us a little note on the contact form. Buttons everywhere. Just press on them. Just press yeah. on all the buttons. Mm-hmm. Right? iTunes, you could subscribe to the feed. Well, iTunes. Stay up to date. Sure. With the latest 
zany hilarity from Brad and Adam. I shudder to admit this, but there is a Facebook page, and I'm not going to tell you where it is yet. But if you were really diligent, you could find the Facebook page. But I'm not going to tell you where it is until we actually do something with it. But it does exist. It does exist. And not only in the fantasy reality of the Dream likes. <laughs> I fooled you again. You always get me. Every time. It's like Charlie Brown and Lucy. The football. Isn't she just an asshole for that? She's not wrong. Well, she is wrong. She's just an asshole. She's wrong and an asshole. Yeah, no, you're probably right. Peanuts. Yes. I mean, there's, I think, a lot under the surface there with Charlie Brown. I think when that started, it was actually like a subversive kind of a thing. Charlie Brown? Or, yeah. or Peanuts? Peanuts, Peanuts, yeah. Like, it started kind of like, like, it started like out of like the beatnik movement, movement or something. And it was, had all kinds of like, yeah, like... Uh, Catcher in the Rye type messages. Messages, yeah. Huh. I think it seems like this is probably just my adolescent mind, but it just seemed like physical humor. Right. Well, it worked on multiple levels. And when you're watching like the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown and stuff, right, that was past its heyday. But like Charlie Brown Christmas and the earlier strips and stuff. Oh, I heard you had a little throat thing there. I heard I get those little throat things. That wasn't a throat thing. That wasn't a throat thing? What was that? No. That was like in my like in your gut chest. It wasn't in my gut. It was like a I guess in like the top of my stomach. It was very weird. Came bubbling up. Yeah. Alright, we should stop recording though. Okay. So this isn't Maybe the show should. anymore? I don't know. Is it? I'm not sure. I think it's still the show, but we're gonna end it now. <laughs> I, <laughs> we, I don't I'm not sure. I don't know. All right, I'm going to hit... Well, did you okay. have anything else that you wanted to say? No, there's nothing else. I mean, we're done here. Yeah, it's all done. All right. Well, take it out to the poop deck. Next time on... Gutterball! Gutterball.